and my uh, younger and less sanctified days, I watched a movie called Joe Dirt. And if you've seen the movie Joe Dirt, it's a, about a young man who's kind of a social outcast, has a mullet, was abandoned by his parents, all of that fun stuff. And there's a scene where he is coming up to this, <laughs> the, the town, and he's pulling a wagon, and his wagon is this meteorite that he found. Well, he thought it was a meteorite. And he turns back to the meteorite, and he says, hey, ta- hey, meteorite, this is a town where everybody hates you and wants to beat you up. I kind of feel like 2020 has been like that. <laughs> like as we looked at 2020, we had all these like grand plans, like 2020 was going to be a year of vision, it was going to be great, and as you kind of have experienced 2020, it's been kind of the complete opposite. It's been one of those situations where you just feel like you've kind of been at odds with everybody at some point for whatever reason, and then, you know, if you're out in public, if you sneeze or if you cough or, or whatever, it's like, oh, you know, I, I don't have COVID, or at least I don't think I have COVID, families are, it's, you've, you know what I'm talking about. Like 2020 has been probably one of the biggest killjoys ever, just as like Joe Dirt didn't want to go into that town because he knew the people in town just didn't like him. I, I'm ready for something new. I'm ready to kind of experience more joy. I want to have joy, but sometimes we struggle to do just that. Well, this morning, as we talk about joy, I want us to turn back to Luke 2, as we were there last week, and look at the shepherds and the angel appearing to the shepherds. So if you have your Bible, go and get those out, Luke 2, beginning in verse 8. And here's what we're told here. And in the same region, it just got done talking about how Mary and Joseph uh, were in this region, and they've gone to the barn and had Jesus. It says in the same region, there were shepherds, like characters, the character that nobody in town really liked, wanted to be around. They were stinky, smelly, social outcast here. And they're out in the field and they're keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And what we're told is that they were filled with great fear. They were, they were filled with fear. They were, they were overcome with fear. They were consumed with fear. This is how that these, these shepherds are described when they, they see the angels and when God appears is this filling up of fear, this overcome of fear, this, this being consumed with fear. And I believe something that's very true about all of us is that it's really easy to be overcome. It's really easy to be filled. It's really easy to be consumed by fear. Some of us, we are consumed with our inadequacy. Some of us are consumed with uncertainty. Some of us are consumed with failure, others with rejection. Some are consumed by fear because you don't like when things change. Some of you are consumed by fear because you're just not in control right now. Some of us are consumed by fear because we're afraid of being judged. Some are consumed by fear because 
You are afraid of getting sick. Some of you are consumed by fear because you don't want a loved one to get sick. Some of you are consumed by fear because of aliens. Aliens have been in the news a lot recently. You didn't think you were going to hear about Joe Dirt and aliens in the sermon this morning. The best I got for you on aliens is read C.S. Lewis's Perilandria. You probably never heard of that either. Read it best maybe some other time. Maybe you're consumed by fear because you're afraid you're never going to be able to have children. Maybe you're consumed by fear because you're afraid of spending Christmas alone. How would you describe fear that you have right now? We all have fears, by the way. We all have fears. How would you describe your fear at this time? Would you, would, you, would you kind of put it in the category of where the shepherds are at this point in the story? Are you filled with fear? Are you consumed with fear? Are they, are they great fears? They, they were consumed with great fear here. It wasn't like they were kind of afraid. They were really afraid. In fact, I believe that they were so afraid here, we're going to see this as the story progressed, right? They were so afraid, their, their fear was so great that they weren't able to experience joy. This is a paralyzing fear here. This is something that just is all-consuming. But as the story here continues and as these angels continue to speak into the shepherds' lives, Here's what I want you to see. The, the shepherd said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. So the, the shepherds, they're greatly consumed by this great fear. And the angels say, hold on a second, fear not, because I'm going to bring you great joy. The, the, the purpose of the angels showing up, and we know they're going to announce Jesus here, is to announce a is something that was true for them that is that was is true for us now today that I believe was true about God then and is still true about God today is that God wants to make your joy greater than your fears. He wants to make your joy greater than your fears. For this to happen, your joy has to transcend your fears. It has to be bigger than your fears. And the thing about fear, by the way, is not all fear is illegitimate. Uh, fear can be a good thing. If you are afraid of losing your job, like that's, that's not a bad thing. You, your job helps provide for you. It helps provide for other people. It helps put a roof over your head. It helps make sure that you have food on your table. And, and then that fear, by the way, it should motivate you, although you shouldn't be consumed by it, but that, that fear should motivate you to do a few things. It should motivate you to work hard, to be a, a good employee. That fear should motivate you to, to save a little bit, just in case like COVID happens. Now, I know nobody was expecting like a whole year of needing to be able to provide for themselves. Uh, that, that fear, by the way, should also motivate you to have a community of people around you that if hard times come, like they will help you. It should motivate you to want to be a part of the church, to want to know people in a community that will help take care of them. Like that's a, that's a legitimate fear. Or what about the fear of death, right? The fear of sickness, illness right now. It's a legitimate fear. There's a lot of talk of all these existential crises going on over the past year. Like that's a real existential crisis. It's death. Well, what should that motivate 
you to do. It should motivate you to seek Christ, the one who has power over death. The angels show up and say, hey, I, I, I want your joy to be greater than your fear. Now, joy is kind of a tricky word to describe. I, I struggle to describe joy to explain joy. Here's how, here's how Webster describes joy. Joy is a, a great feeling of pleasure or happiness. This is how, how Webster des- defines it. And it. It's not a bad definition, but the problem with this for most of us is that our pleasure or happiness typically right, is dependent on the, ple- the, the present experience that we typically have in our life. And, and you know that, right, if your things aren't going well, you're not really experiencing pleasure, and you're not really happy. Wow. Christmas joy, or Christian joy, is not dependent on your experiences. It may not be absent from your experiences. You can have certain experiences that bring you joy, that bring you pleasure, that bring you happiness, but Christian joy transcends all of that. That's why the Bible can command us to rejoice and tell us to rejoice always. This is why we're told in Galatians that joy is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that this is joy is something that Christians express. And I, could, I, I would love to just be able to give you a definition of Christian joy. And they're, they're out there. They're kind of hard to find. And, and to me, that's always clumsy because Christian, Christian joy is kind of something you have. It's kind of something you experience it. So I, I've done a whole series on joy. And in that series, here's what I told you. I kind of define it like Scalia defined pornography. And he defined pornography in this way. He said, you just know it when you see it. I I, I like to tell Christians, right? You just know joy when you have it. You know what Christian joy is when you have it. When you're able to rejoice in any situation. And usually what I discover is that Christian joy in some way is accompanied by a type of peace that God has given you because of your trust and belief in him. And so in this next verse, in verse 11 here, we're actually going to be told some of the reason that these shepherds, by the way, can have joy. And here it is. It says, for unto you is born this day. Now, I don't believe that those words are there by accident. This day. Uh, commentators point out that, that Luke, the writer of this gospel here, he uses kind of the idea of what is happening today a a good bit to remind the Christian believer that this is for you right now in this time. And I I don't know what you're going through. I I, I don't know all the things that are keeping you from experiencing joy, but I, I do believe that joy doesn't necessarily need to be delayed because of your present experience right now. It doesn't mean you're not going to mourn along with your joy, but whoever you are right now or whatever you're going through, I do believe that you can experience some joy right now, this day, today, now. Now, where does this come from? It's, he's born this day in the city of David, who is Christ, the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord, who is Christ the Lord. This joy comes from a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And so Christian joy isn't dependent on, what you, on your present circumstances, but Christian joy is actually dependent on what you think about Jesus here. So the angels show up and they're going to declare that Jesus is Savior, 
and that he is Christ the Lord. So joy is not dependent on your current experience, your current situation. It's not dependent uh, this Christmas on the type of presence you get or don't get. It's not dependent on your job or your popularity or your health or your wealth. By the way, the shepherds had very few of these things. Like they, may not have, they may have had their health. That's all we can kind of determine about the shepherds. And so when the angel shows up, like he is, he is making all of that very clear here. Now, Christian joy for them is going to be when they are fixated here on Jesus, this child who is both Savior and Lord. They say that this is, this is the good news here, that Jesus is Lord. I've explained to you before that I believe this, the easiest way to kind of summarize the gospel, or which is the word good news here, which the word means good news, is that phrase, is that Jesus is Lord. Now, the world is full of bad news, right? <laughs> the world is full of fake or untrue news at times. We've heard that before, Right? And the bad news that we hear in this, in this world is that we kind of go along or that even we tell ourselves or other people may tell us or just the way we operate is that God doesn't care, right? is that God is not in this situation, that he is absent from our situation and that life is just kind of dark and we're just going to have to kind of trudge our own way through. And the fake news that we tell ourselves and we even tell other people and kind of we're being inundated with is that the, 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 the solution to our problems are outside of Jesus Christ. They're, they're outside of the one that the angels say, hey, he's your savior. Hey, he's your Lord. And so the angels are going to show up, right? And they're going to speak into this bad news and kind of the, the fake news that they're inundated with. And he's, going to, he's telling them, this isn't true, that God has come. Emmanuel is with us, that he cares, that he's not just transcendent, that, that, that God is imminent, that he's with us. And he's saying that Jesus is Lord. The angels are declaring that Jesus is Lord here. In other words, that Jesus is in charge. It may seem chaotic in the world. It may, may seem like our lives are spiraling out of control. But there's a king who has come. And he is Christ the Lord. And we are in his hands. And you can be in his hands. This is kind of the theme, by the way, of, of joy to the world. We sang this, joy to the world, the Lord has come, let earth receive her king. Right? Now kings, kings in ancient time, we don't really have kings, well there are kings like in other countries, but, but not in our own. Right? Kings have this kind of sovereign control over their people, and what happens is if you have a king the, the, in the ideal kingdom, you, the kings have control and their subjects Right? They have given themselves to their king and they entrust themselves to, to his control and to his care. And a good king right, is going to bring and build a good kingdom and they're going to take care of everybody and people are going to thrive and so forth. Kings were known as saviors too in the ancient world. In fact, King Augustus or Caesar Augustus, as many of you who would know him, knew him, considered himself savior. He was written about as savior. And the angels here are actually showing up. And what they are telling them is that Augustus is not savior, that he cannot care for you, that his kingdom ultimately will end, that he does not want good for you like I want for you, that there has been a new king and a new kingdom and there's a new savior and this savior actually cares and this savior's kingdom will never end. And now he's telling this to shepherds, by the way. 
So this news is actually designed for shepherds, and he's telling them that there's a Savior for them. And so how would they know, and why would they believe even, I know there's an angel showing up, and maybe, you know, you're saying, right, like if an angel showed up, I'm just going to believe whatever they say. But this typically, by the way, isn't really the, what we see in the scriptures. It's not even what you see in your own life, right? You find yourself doubting God, even when God has made himself clear in, in different ways. And so what the angels did, did then is they're going to give them a sign. It says, and this will be a sign for you that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. So the angels then are going to deliver a sign, and this sign is specific for the shepherds. And now this is kind of weird, though, when you think about signs. Like when, when I think about a sign coming from God, like I want some like type of miracle to happen. Like I want something really cool, really miraculous. And when you read the Bible, that's kind of what you expect, or maybe you've come to learn to expect in a certain way. But look at the sign. You're going to go into town. You're going to walk into a barn, and you're going to see a sleeping baby wrapped up in a manger. This doesn't really seem like a special sign. It actually probably doesn't even seem like anything that out of the ordinary to shepherds. Last week, I talked about how sometimes we can kind of make too much of the manger, that Jesus was probably not the first child to be put in a manger. Well, the, the shepherds may have been born in a barn and placed in a manger themselves. These were not wealthy, well-to-do people, most likely. They may even come from broken homes. So what is special about this sign? This sign or miracle, if you want to call it that, is about the meaning of God's messages, message through the beginning of baby Jesus' life. What he is telling them is that this king would be the type of king who cared about men like them. The poor, the beat up, the broken, the people who in town where everybody hates and wants to beat up people who are struggling because their loved ones are in the hospital. This is a king that although he ascended from on high, he is willing to be there and to go low with his people. It's the sign. It's the message here. Now, the angels aren't just going to leave them with telling him, hey, go see this sign. They're going to do something really interesting next. And here's what they're going to do. I'm going to read this to you. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is well pleased. Now the angels give this message to, to the shepherds and say, hey, go see this baby. But then they, they stop before they go. And all of a sudden they, they begin to kind of have a, a worship service in front of the shepherds, which... Like, that's, that's uh, why is that, that, that there? Like, why are we told about that? You've got these shepherds standing shocked in unbelief that the angel showed up. Hey, go see this baby in a barn in the middle of the night. And you have to think, like, these shepherds are kind of wondering, um, should we go and do this? I mean, should we leave our sheep? Is it really going to be that miraculous to see a child in a barn with their Parents, and so, and I also want you to think about this for a second. Like, these are grown men. 
Grown men were just told to go see a baby. Wives, how does that go for you? Right? Hey, so-and-so just had a baby. Let's go see him. I don't know so-and-so. Why do I want to see their baby? You know that's how that conversation would go. So you have these grown men, and the angels say there's a baby down here, and they don't, they don't stop with this. The angels begin to, to, to praise God and, 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 and rejoice. There's praise before these men decide to go. Now, I don't think necessarily that there's some strategy, great strategy here that these angels are going to praise God. I think it's something that just, flew, that just flows out of the angels after the announcement. Uh, they are, are believers in this message. They have sent by God, and so they're going to praise God. They're going to express joy. But I do think as followers of Jesus Christ who are told to rejoice always, who have a reason for our joy and rejoicing, that the, the angels are an example for us, that there's, there's something in our praise and there's something in our rejoicing, there's something in our worship that is right, evangelistic, that points people to Jesus. That we, we can say, hey, Jesus has done this, he has done that, but if, if we are always, right, if we are like Eeyores, if we're always down, if, if we are never praising God, if we aren't worshiping God, right, I think people are generally kind of looking us, at us as, as Christians and like, you, you claim to have joy, you claim to have hope, you claim to be at, at peace, you, you, you claim to have something I don't. But you don't, you, don't, you don't act like you have any of it. And to be honest, I don't want what you have. John Piper, he has all these kind of pithy sayings and so forth. He's a preacher and, and, and pastor up in, in Minnesota. But one of the things that has always kind of stuck with me, I forget most things most people say, but uh, one of the things that he has written and has said over and over again, missions exist because worship doesn't. Evangelism exists because worship doesn't, right? Imagine if you, you just, out of your life, like worship just flowed out of you as you, as you talk to people. Praise, rejoicing flowed out of you. Imagine if you did this. Imagine if our church did this to people that we would point to Christ. Now, the shepherds here are faced with a decision to make. Am I going to go into town? After the angels showed up, and am I going to see this child? And basically, am I going to trust these angels that showed up? Now, the Gospels are written. The Bible is written in an um, intentional way. Each writer, by the way, writes in an intentional way. This is the third time in Luke's Gospel that angels have shown up to make an announcement to somebody. First two times were Zechariah and Mary. So we have this story of Zechariah, and we have a story of Mary. Zechariah is a priest, and the story begins with Zechariah going into the temple, and Zechariah is going to be praying here as he goes into the temple, 
And because he is the priest on duty, so he's going to kind of go into the Holy of Holies here. And we don't know everything that he's praying about, but we're pretty sure he's at least praying for two things. The first is that he's interceding for Israel. So he's praying for deliverance for Israel. He's praying for a Messiah. He's praying for a Savior. He's praying for something miraculous to happen that will kind of remove them from under the kingdoms of the world. And we're told that there are people outside the temple and they are praying along with Zechariah. And that's likely what they are praying for. The second thing we can be really confident that Zechariah is praying for, because the angel is actually going to speak into this and going to say, hey, your angels, your, your prayer has been answered, is that he is praying for a child. Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth have gotten quite old. They're past actually childbearing age, but he's still holding out hope here. And so he's in the temple and he's praying for both of these two things. He's, he's praying that God would give them a child. And all of a sudden an angel shows up while he's in the midst of praying and says, Zachariah, your prayers have been answered. Your wife, although she is older, is with child. And this child is going to point to the Savior of Israel. He's the, the, so both of his prayers are basically kind of being answered at this point in time. And how do you think Zachariah responds to the angel? The Bible tells us that he doesn't believe the angel. He doesn't, he doesn't believe. This is a religious person. This is a priest who has gone into church to pray, to cry out to God. Maybe he's done it so many times. He's just used to being let down. He's prayed for Israel over and over again. He's prayed for the kingdom. Nothing's happened. He's, you could just only imagine how many years he's prayed for a child. Nothing has happened. Uh, but there's, then again, there's this miracle that takes place. An angel shows up. We're going to assume Zechariah. And he still doesn't believe. All of that. It, at some point in his life, Right? You've got to believe that that prayer, that the sacrifices, that his, his, his life of faith had pretty much just become an empty ritual. And he doesn't believe. So what happens? The, the angel tells Zechariah, well, because of your unbelief, you aren't going to be able to speak. Well, Zechariah is going to go home and he's going to find out from Elizabeth that she's really pregnant. But he's not able to speak about it. Now, first time fathers, right? You might not care about other people's kids, right? At least the babies, right, yet. But you care about your own. You've been praying for a kid. I don't mean to sound cold about babies. I love babies, right? You... you You've been praying for a kid all your life, and now you're going to have one. What do you want to do? You want to express that to other people. You want to share that with other people. You want that joy to be able to flow out of you, but Zechariah is mute. The second person 
the angels show up to before we get to the shepherds is Mary. Mary's not in the temple. Mary's in a place called Nazareth. We're told that nothing good can come out of Nazareth. And I don't know what Mary is doing. And an angel appears, just going about life. An angel appears to her and the angel tells Mary that you are going to have a child. Now, Mary is a young maiden. We're told that she is a virgin and they may have Uh, not had the health class that you had, but Mary knew enough to know that she is not able to have a child since she is a a virgin. And so she asked the angel, she says, well, how will this happen since I am young and since I am a virgin? And the the angel says, well, here's how it's going to happen. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and you're going to have a baby. And she responds. This is how Mary responds. Differently than Zechariah, she says, nothing is impossible with God. Then Mary, in her excitement, she goes to her cousin Elizabeth, who is Zechariah's wife, and she begins to share the good news. And the babies, we're told the babies jump in their wombs there. And then immediately following that, what takes place is that there is a song of Mary. We find Mary is rejoicing. She's expressing her joy, and it has been written down for all of us to see and for all of us to hear. And so here, before we even get to the shepherds, we have two stories and two different responses and two different outcomes to the angel's announcement here. Zechariah responds in disbelief to the angels about his child coming, and his ability to express joy is taken away from him. While Mary, on the other hand, believes the good news about the angel, or from the angels about the child, and she is joyful. She expresses it. Now, there's a lesson in all of this. And it's going to feel like a hard lesson for some of us, but I believe that it's here. And the lesson is this, is that your joy, our joy, is dependent on trusting God. It's dependent on believing God. All of us, when we are struggling to find that joy, it's very likely it's because of unbelief. You may not be experiencing joy right now because of unbelief. So how are the shepherds going to respond here? We're going to see that the shepherds are going to respond with belief. Moving on to verse 16. Or 15 here. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. We are told that immediately they respond to the, uh, the, the, the shepherds in this way. They say, let us go. And not, not only do they just go, but they're going to go fast. They're going to go right now and they're going to beeline it to Jesus. If, right, and when we are struggling to experience joy, we have to get to Jesus with haste. This is the example that the shepherds leave for us. If you are struggling with joy, go to Jesus now. Go now. Run to Jesus. Cry out to Jesus. Just because joy is not the same as happiness. You don't, you don't, everything in life doesn't have to be going right to experience joy. You can even experience joy in deep brokenness. 
as your, your parents are going to meet the Lord, you can have joy knowing that they are going to be with Jesus, that you will see them one day as well, that you'll be able to rejoice for, with them. You can have joy knowing right, that God is control, that, God, that Jesus is Lord. And, and Jesus may not be calling you from an angel or speaking to you by an angel right now, but if you are struggling with joy, I believe that Jesus is calling to you to him right now. So go with haste. And 17, verse 17, said, And when they saw it, they made known the saying that the Lord, that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God. So first we see them going to Jesus in haste. Second, we see what they are doing next is they are rejoicing. They are rejoicing after they go to Christ. If you want to experience joy and express joy this Christmas and are struggling to, make it about Christ above all else. Don't make Christmas about your health. Don't make it about your wealth. Don't make it about your country. Don't make it about your family. All of those things are good and wonderful But if you want to experience joy as it is described in the Bible, you have to make Christmas about celebrating Jesus Christ, about rejoicing over Jesus Christ. You have to worship Christ, sing real Christmas carols, right? Not just mommy, daddy saw mommy, I, you saw mommy, right? Christ, worship Jesus. They rejoiced. And this last thing that we're told here about the, the shepherds. So the shepherds worship Jesus. And the last thing here in the text is this. <laughs> is that they believed it as it has been told to them. Now, these men left Jesus. Went back to their normal lives. And they just believed the angels. They believed maybe what Mary and Joseph shared with them and their experience and everything that had been going on. They believed as it had been told to them by the angels, as it had been told to them by Mary and Joseph. And I know what some of us want. We want a miracle. We want the angel to tell us it's going to be all right. We want, we want this and we want that. And there's a person in actually Luke's gospel named Thomas who's not going to believe that Jesus rose from the dead until he touches him, until he sees them and so forth. And after Jesus actually allows this to happen, he says, blessed are those who believe and do not see. Okay. Blessed are those who believe and do not see. Now, there are not angels in this room. I am certainly not an angel. My wife will tell you that. Right. But God's word has been spoken has been read, and it has been spoken. Will you believe what has been told to you? Will you believe God's word? Will you trust God's word? God's word tells us that God is with us. God loves us. We have reason to hope. 
In Christ, we are reconciled to God and to the world. That this baby, Jesus Christ, is Redeemer. We are told in this word that the dead are raised. And we are told that Jesus is King. We are told to have joy, that the world can have joy because the Lord has come. Now let earth receive her king. Will you receive your king? Let us pray. Father, let us all run to your son Jesus this morning. And let us praise him in this season and out of this season. And let us always trust him as king. May this bring us joy above all else. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. I pray that for all of you that the joy of the Lord will be your strength as you go. There are many we prayed here this morning. Send them a text. Let them know that you've been praying for them. I'm sure that it will bring them joy. I'm sure it will bring them comfort. We're one of the people that I said that we want to make sure that we are encouraging and trying to bring joy is Donna Peters. And so some of you on your way out, if you will grab some cards for Donna to send her a card. So I, I, I encourage you to do that. I want to leave you with this benediction, and then there is a song that will continue to play. If you want to remain in the sanctuary, you can. The altars are open. You can continue to pray and, and seek the Lord and his joy. As we end, I want us all to remember that Jesus came to make our joy greater than our fear. And let us all go to him with haste, worship him with zeal, and believe on the word that testifies about his lordship. Amen.